you go into your shower feeling tired. But as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste. Or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products. Because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger, fresh for everyone. David, football, football David. The Dave Damashek Football Program. Available on iTunes and at davedamashek.nfl.com. Now here's your host, Dave Damashek. Hi and hello, football fans. It's your old pal Dave, Dave Damashek. What's going down? I hope all's well wherever you are. Of course it is because many NFL training camps are now underway. Welcome to the Dave Damashek football program, available as always on iTunes, Stitcher, and at NFL.com slash Sheck. S-H-E-K, Sheck, Sheck, Sheck. Yeah, the final event before pro football players start heading off to camp is annually the golf tournament up in Lake Tahoe. Of course, we were there a year ago. We sang songs with A.J. Hawk. This year, our pal A.J. Hawk tackled a Michigan guy, some guy who asked him to do it. A.J. Hawk. I mean, I, I think he's lost his way. Black tie over there as we come to you from Studio 4 as we await the unveiling of Studio 66, Maximum Strength. Or that just will be, new Studio 66. I don't like when you interrupt me with that. I say that well, Studio 66, Maximum Strength, will be opening soon. In the meantime, we're toiling here in Studio 4, so forgive any minor, I hope, uh, audio... Deficiency. Can I just say the quality has been fine over the last, it's I would say, fine. three weeks. Okay, it started off a little bit rough, but it's people fine. Need to good calm enough down. for you. It's pretty good. I would say it's pretty good. It's not obviously not Studio Sixty Six, and will not be what new Studio Sixty Six is. But it's it's good. You know who apparently doesn't care? Black tie. The listener witnessed the fact. Black tie informed me earlier today that our most recent podcast, we had two very good podcasts last week, not uh, any with any thanks to me, rather our great guests, Super Bowl champion Michael Robinson, talking the truth about what Pete Carroll's like and why his philosophy works in the 21st century and what may or may not derail the Seahawks in their effort to repeat. We did that one a week ago, and then... Uh, uh, more recently, we caught up with Ross Tucker, of course, of the Ross Tucker football podcast, and we kibitzed about who America's team is now in 2014. I'm sorry, Cowboys fans. You ain't it anymore. You know, team, America likes champions, don't you see? Eight and eight and eight and eight and eight ain't championship level football. You're on the back page now, and so we have to anoint a new team. In fact, maybe we should do it annually. Anyhow. With that uh, Ross Tucker podcast, when we had that discussion, that one ranked, is it the second most listened to podcast in NFL media history there, Black Tie? 
It is. That is correct. Second Exciting. only to? To the plane cast, uh, the one that we recorded the Monday following that Super Bowl that Michael Robinson and his Seahawk pals won. That was the most listened to in NFL media history. I believe, Black Tie, we have now the three most listened to shows in the history of NFL media. The big three. That is correct. That's right. Is that that's what, what we're, it's known as. That's yes. what it's called now? Yeah. Cool. All right. Well, I like that. Coming up uh, to see if we can keep the ball rolling in the right direction, we're going to be kibitzing with uh, with a guy late of those New York Jets, had some nice seasons up there playing alongside Darrell Revis and the rest of those guys. Now he's down in the desert lining up another against uh, uh, alongside another premier defensive back, a cornerback, Patrick Peterson. It's Antonio Cromartie coming up here. I'm looking forward to kibitzing with this character. In the meantime, We've gotten the plugs and uh, all the back padding uh, out of the way. Although I will say one more thing. People keep hitting me up on social media. I appreciate the questions. When are you going back on your old pal Adam Carolla's podcast? Well, I just recorded one yesterday. They're holding it because they go on vacation for a couple weeks or whatever. So that will be out to you at some point in August. I wish I could give you the date, but be on the lookout for that one. Good times as usual there. We'll also get in there one more time at least before kickoff so that we can give a proper preview for the 2014 season there. But, of course, that's what we're doing, but we're doing it. We're picking it apart here. See, we're not the broad generalizations. We're going team by team, division by division, and so on. Here to help us do it right now. He just turned 40 years old. He had a big birthday party that I wasn't invited to. It's Elliot Harrison. What's the poop, fella? That is that is. Why wasn't such, I invited? That is unbelievable. I'm good enough to I'm good enough to to kibitz with uh, here on the podcast, but I'm not good enough to get invited to your 40th birthday party. I saw who was there. Pictures. You think I don't see the photographs? It's the same thing. You, the Johnny Football can deny whatever he wants if there's photo evidence of something out there. That I mean, good luck refuting it. I saw. Fantasy editor Michael Fabiano in attendance. I saw Rich Eisen podcast producer Chris Law there. Brian I saw, Hoyer. I saw myriad other dopes there. Why Damashek is in good enough for your party? I think I recall asking Damashek. No, if he, yeah, I, no. I, I think I do. No, that uh, happened in your dreams because it did because it didn't happen here in reality, and my feelings were hurt, and they continue to be. Truth be told, for my fortieth, we went to Hurricane Harbor. But uh, that's that's the that's the real truth. That was just a happy hour get together. You saw. Oh, I guess it wasn't even good enough for the little happy hour get together. <laughs> I don't know why it's. Funny. Would you have gone to Hurricane Harbor? No, I would. I know not. you would not. Have. No, you would have been a total snob about it. I, listen, you would have told me how the Lazy River has all this stuff in it. What you're talking about is a water park. Yes, as I, am. I, I would definitely have gone if I was 12 years old, but I'm not. <laughs> I would have though have gone out for some belts like yeah. fellas do. You know, like go out and put on a twister. I'm good at that. You know, it's amazing. Do you know, it's one of my passions is booze. I, li- I like drinking booze is one of my great passions in life. Black tie, you know what's amazing? I would have fit right in. You know, you walk around the office and you invite some people to casually go out. And there's all sorts of people that, you know, are always like, yeah, they've got other stuff going on. And then they're the first ones to complain. When I they're didn't not have there, going on because it. What did I have going on? Because their because their expectation of a low turnout ended up being wrong, and so they saw that it actually ended up being kind of a happening turnout. But I didn't get invited, so how can you? You can't put this on me. Listen, shame on you for attempting to turn this around on me. The only person you're kidding is yourself, Elliot Harrison. And if this behavior continues, the only friend you're going to have left is the man in the mirror. I expect that over this next calendar year, you're really going to put some some long hard. I've been asking him to change his ways. <laughs> All right, now listen. Here's what I want to know from you. 
I, as you just heard us talking about here, on our last podcast, we reviewed the candidacy of several teams to be the new America's team. First of all, would you like, as a guy who grew up in the Dallas area, to try to make a case that the Cowboys still belong as America's team? Or do you feel that we should turn the page and celebrate another team as a nation? I can be honest with you. As a 10-year-old kid, okay, 1984, they did a thing in uh, uh, Inside Sports. Remember that sure. magazine? About... I was a subscriber. I'm oh, proud yes. or ashamed to say. Also, the Sport magazine. I got them all. Oh, Sport was great. Now, Sport was the real deal. Inside and Street Sports. And Smith's college football oh. preview and NFL preview. We're missing oh, I got that. Them all. Even Athlons. Do you remember Athlons? Athlon, yeah. Oh, jeez. I got those all. I, I loved, loved them. I, I devoted I, my summers to I read every those. team. I knew the linebacker core, the Steelers, or the Bengals. I read I every team. I did, too. And do you know I also used to put out, I would do, uh, I would do my own. I would look at I would read everything up I would study it yep and then I would unveil to Mo Damashek my mother she was the one and only reader <laughs> of my work I would put out my top uh, 20 list for uh for college football and I would say who was going to the playoffs in the NFL what a sad life I wonder why girls didn't talk to me I'm not ashamed to say I, ha- I took out my football encyclopedia and unveiled to my older brother, Eric, my historical power rankings. I mean, I, so believe me, I, <laughs> I'm right there with you. But I hated the America's Team moniker. Now, you have to understand, I grew up literally about three and a half miles from Texas Stadium. So I'm a local yokel. And it's very hard being a local Cowboys fan because everyone perceives you as that national person that mm-hmm. kind of jumped on the Yankees or the Cowboys bandwagon. I mean, Farmer's Branch, where I'm from, is right next to Irving. So, for me, they were the local team. It's no different than being an Eagles fan or, or being a Steelers fan. Uh, so, I hated it. And I can tell you that the origin of it... That's it, a weird thing, because most people feel this reflected glory in being associated no, with a, a successful we team. Hated you it. hated being we American ha- We hated it, because here's the deal. When you go anywhere else, people are like, oh, you're a Cowboys fan. But nobody says that, like... Oh, you're a Browns fan because they think you're like a real fan, you know, like you go to sports. But yeah, well, they have those in Dallas, too. It's just all the other yahoos around the country who are Cowboys fan make us look bad. Talk Here's- about snobby. It's funny because I have that and I know this isn't probably a popular stance to take. I feel like you if you aren't from the city where that team plays it's awfully hard to claim you're their biggest fan, and I get that all the time. But you get a chip on your shoulder. Yeah. There's some guy on Twitter who is in Toronto who's belly aching about something I said about his favorite team, and I'm trying to even think, oh, it's be, I disrespected the Bears. All the Bears fans hate me because of something I say. Oh, because I, because I promote the Packers so much. I really like Aaron Rodgers. Therefore, all Bears fans hate me. And then I noticed he's from Toronto. I'm like, are you really in a position to speak for all Bears fans living in right. Canada? Right. And I, I feel it's snobby anyway. I was as, I mean, I was as local as a, I could still black tie. You could pull it up. I could give you all the 86 Texas Rangers batting average and, and home runs. I went to the human erector set, formerly known Pete as Army. Oh, all of them. All of them. Pete O'Brien, we can go Pete's all day. No, I'm good. I'm good. You're you. good. Yeah, I figured you would be. So here's the thing. We hated it. And when I learned what the origin of it was, I was pretty surprised because I wanted to know as a kid, where did this stupid thing come from? And what made me think of it was that TBS started calling the Braves America's team somewhere right. in the early 90s or whatever. And I was like, all right, where did this dumb thing start? And I believe it started when NFL films, remember how they used to do those, those team videos sure. every year? And we'd all watch them as kids. 
they named one of the Cowboys team videos America's team. And so Tex Schramm liked the moniker, and so he, he stuck with it. But it's not like the Cowboys marketing department said, hey, I got an idea. Let's just start calling ourselves. No, the it's American true. Team. It was well, of course, as opposed to Black Mamba, Kobe Bryant, who decided to anoint himself that, which is a cardinal sin. You don't give yourself a nickname, right, Young Kobe over there. Black. By the way, if you aren't up to speed, Black Tie has been tweeting about the fact that when he was growing up, people called him uh, some of his uh, his uh, his colleagues out there on the uh, junior high hardwood called him Young Kobe. Really, <laughs> Young Kobe. He was young Kobe. I was going to say Brian St. Pierre. I, that was going to be my guess. No? <laughs> no. Let's, let's just move on, guys. Uh, so, it was a one tweet, and let's just move on. No, it's all right. I don't like so, to move on. Like right. I say, that, that lives forever. You may have deleted it, but it lives forever in my brain and in my heart, young Kobe. So to answer your question, though, I think if there's any team that's America's team, and I hate that America's team banter, but if there's one – our banner, I would say it's the New England Patriots. I mean, they, they've been oh, my the, goodness. They've been the most successful. They have it in their name already, mm-hmm. uh, so that would be mine. All right, that's fine. I, I would certainly say the Packers, who are owned by thousands of their fans. That's a great they one, too. play up there in a small that's town. That's a good one, Everybody too. Everybody seems to root for them. They're about beer and bratwursts, and if I haven't mentioned earlier, beer you and bratwursts are among I my I said yours is better than mine. And if you want more on this topic, listen to the last podcast. Don't try and did. move me on, Black Tie. And the other okay. thing that we also realized, if you expand beyond just NFL football to all sports, I think it really is a showdown between, for different reasons, LeBron's Cavaliers. I think everybody's going to root for that team. And I think everybody in the Western Conference is going to be rooting for the Clippers. Once they turn the page from Donald Sterling, what could be better than a Clippers v. uh, 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 Cavs final? That'd be a lot of fun. He's definitely given you the motion to get off this topic. So just to circle back, the 86 Rangers, it was Don Slott at catcher, Pete (laughs) O'Brien at first, Toby Hara at second, Steve Bouchelle at third, Scotty Fletcher at short. Uh, Gary Ward in right field, Odeby McDowell in center, Peter Cavilla in left, and Larry Parrish, very underrated who, designated hitter. Who was Odeby McDowell's uh, star teammate when he was uh, playing college baseball? Barry Bonds, and That's he, he was better. Arizona State, Odeby McDowell was very fine, and he had Damon a great Shack's name. Odeby. Ode- what was that one? Damon Shack's a genius. Thank you, A.J. Hawk. That's uh, apparently Black Tie's attempt to uh, move us along here. So, Antonio Cromartie is going to be with us, so this is a good time to continue something that we started um, last week, which is high-end, low-end, sort of like a game show. And it's what you expect. Let's go glass half full, glass half empty for all the teams, and we'll do it with the NFC West right now. Okay. What is – Everything breaks right for these teams. What's what's that team's record going to be? Where do they end? Do they get to the postseason? Do they get to a Super Bowl? Or and then let's look at. And of course, we can do this. It, it's unsatisfying to say, well, if Russell Wilson gets hurt, that team isn't going. You can do that with every team. We've Understood. Used, uh, let's not say if the QB gets hurt. So, all right. Uh, assuming that that's the one uh, caveat, let's do that. And let's start with the world champion, Seattle Seahawks. High end. What do you think their record might be? How far can they go? All right. High end, I think the Seahawks win 13 games again. Maybe they get to 14. They're not going to feed it. They're going to lose a couple of games on the road. High end for them is that they don't miss their defensive line defections. They still have a good defensive line rotation, and they repeat. And I will say, and I've already been on the record, I think the Seahawks are the best chance of repeating of any team since the Patriots did it 10 years ago. Wow. Now that is a strong statement. So, you know what I liked especially about that? It was concise to the point. What I a love great. it. All right, young Kobe. Now listen, 
I, uh, I, EH, I hear what you're saying on this. I like the, the, the continued, for what it's worth, I, I, it's, it's remarkable to me that every player, it's not just Richard Sherman, it seems like every player on that team, it seems like the organization, it seems like the region, all the fans even, continue to have a chip on their shoulder. It's that Michael Jordan take the, the slightest of slice and use it to, to burn a fire in your belly. It just seems like the Seahawks, I don't know how or why they're able to generate this, but they seem like they feel like no one respects us. Like, why are you talking about no one? You're, you're the world champs. Everybody hails you guys. And yet somehow they seem to insinuate that they aren't getting the love that they deserve. If you look at the top three players, they're just like that. Russell Wilson walks around with a chip on his shoulder. He's always that guy who's Because he's short, saying, right, and he doesn't like you know, that, and that Why not him. us? All that stuff. Richard Sherman, <laughs> he gets ticked off at everyone. Earl Thomas, you know, yeah, he's the another top three one. player right. as well. Marshawn Lynch is also like, why do I have to deal with things that I don't want to yeah, deal Earl with? Earl Thomas right? is still mad at Bucky Brooks today for his draft, at, you know, his draft analysis of Earl Thomas. Like, he's still mad at Bucky Brooks. So that's just how, that's how they roll. I hear all that. Um, the high end for the, well, I mean, yeah, listen, of course the high end for them, the best case for them is winning a, the Super Bowl again. And it is a plausible thing. Let's go the other way though. To me, I, the, the NFC is so loaded. Yeah, it was loaded last year, but I think it's that much better this year. As I keep saying, the pack is back. That Packers team, to me, has depth, and they have. You know, it's nice. You, we, we've talked a lot this offseason about, to me, I'd rather have a really deep roster and, you know, and really have some nice depth at every position versus having one of the so-called five or six elite QBs in the NFL and witness who's won the last three Super Bowls. None of those teams had what would, would have been considered an elite QB at the time, and they all got over the hump. But, of course, if you have both, that's the best case, and I feel like the Packers have exactly that. I don't think there are a lot of question marks now. Um, with that team, the Bears, the, the Lions, the, the, within the division, we'll get to the Cardinals and the Rams. There's a lot going against that Seahawks team, you know, for them to get all the way back. So I what's could, the record? I could see them fall. It, with that home field advantage, they can only slip so far, though. Mm-hmm. Ten wins. Ten wins. Yep. Get a... I, you know, if they get 10 wins, I'm not sure they make the playoffs. So I, I could see the worst case for them of them being on the outside looking in. That's what I would say. I'd say 10 and 6 and maybe being the seventh seed. And I'm not going to sit here and bring up their receiver core. It's like, it's like people that watch Jurassic Park and they complain that none of the good characters got hurt or that the Velociraptors didn't get the kids in the kitchen or whatever. It's a great movie. You know, the Seahawks, it's a great team. You keep pointing out how bad the receivers are all the time. But at the end of the day, it didn't really make much difference last year, did it? They still won. But but they did have defections on defense. Some key mm-hmm. players, a very good nickelback, a couple of guys that, that, that they could rotate in with the defensive line. Those help you win football games, and I think they could be the seventh seed and on the outside looking in. If Chicago makes it, if Chicago and Green Bay both make it, right? Uh, you didn't even mention the 49ers, okay? Oh, I, I, I didn't. I it's didn't kind of understood, right. right? Sure. Then you have the Cardinals. There's four teams right there. Didn't Panthers the, won the division you, last year. Panthers, They're weakened, but what? But Saints, the Saints are going. Eagles. You know what? Yep. If the Redskins are a lot better with their offensive I additions, I agree. I there absolutely agree with you. Um, so, all right, yes, Black. Tide. Just to wrap that up real quick, their biggest offseason addition this this offseason, they added. Uh, you guys can name them, right? I well, I can tell you what I think their biggest offseason. Yeah. I don't know what you think their biggest off. Go ahead. My biggest for them is Percy Harvin, the arrival of health. Mm. That's that's their biggest addition. 
That's, I don't care who they could have gotten on the they free will agent be, market. They will be – you talk about their receiving core, like you say, and you can diminish it. But if they – if Percy Harvin – it's in a big if, given uh, how how rarely he's been healthy. But if Percy Harvin's ready to roll this year, yep. you look at that Super Bowl. How, I mean, who's going to beat that team? And you have the built-in home field advantage that they have. They've only lost once in two years there to the Cardinals. And his presence so. in the return game. Let's not forget that. Yep. Really, they're, they're – whole focus was to get Michael Bennett back in house. That's why they yep. let Chris Clemens go and they let Red Bryant go to Jacksonville and Gus Bradley wanted those guys because uh, he used to coach them but I, I still, you know, Dave, we always talk about what did a team do in the offseason to get better? Sometimes, man, you just want to get your continuity back. You just want to get your guys. Now this is going to be Percy Harvin's second year in-house, second year in the offense, second year with Russell Wilson, second year just practicing with the team don't yeah don't be distracted or get sucked into it's a funny the thing that the conversation has sort of died down and maybe if we went through it piece by piece there would be evidence to refute what I'm about to say and in fact now off the top of my head I can think of guys like Anquan Bolden and what a difference maker he was when he went to the Ravens in their Super Bowl year and so on but you know it wasn't that long ago where the prevailing wisdom was if you're trying to supplement what you've got through big name free agents that was a that was a failing proposition and uh that still is probably true more often than not yes you can bring you can talk about key additions and you know Percy Harvin is another one but it's not as though he propelled them through the season or the playoffs he was right a- but you just struck a nerve there i think Anquan Bolden was the best example you could have possibly brought up Anquan Bolden joined the Ravens in 2010 then he had 2011, and it was in 2012 postseason where he dominated hmm. the yeah, Patriots. Right. It was his third year with the team and with Joe Flacco. So now we're talking about Percy Harvin's second year. I think, I think, yes, it's okay to make those additions, but it's like Denver this year. You can't just go get T.J. Ward to keep to leave and to Marcus Ware and drop all these ingredients in a stew and hope that it tastes good. I like listen. I like to, you know swinging for the fences with bold predictions and reckless speculation at this time of the year, especially. And I'll tell you. The Philadelphia Eagles dream team of a couple years ago, I'd be nervous if I were a Denver Bronco fan right now. There's something about the – oh, look, well, we fixed everything. See, we brought a bunch of recognizable names who were great three years ago. They're go- and we're fixed now. I don't, I don't necessarily – Go back to the 2000 that, Redskins. Yep. The 2000 Redskins brought yep. in Bruce Smith, Andre Reid, Mark Carrier, Deion Sanders. They brought in all these guys, and they stunk. Mm-hmm. They, they went yep. like 8-8. Eight eight. In fact, they had been a playoff team in 99, and then they, they missed. And instead, now they well, we'll talk about the Broncos at a later date. But uh, um, I will say again, the other question with that team is Monty Ball. The assumption, oh yeah, he'll definitely be a star. All right, well, let's wait and see if he's going to be a star. Because yep. while they bring in all those other pieces, now they lose Sean Moreno, who was really good for them a year ago. And now Monty Ball's definitely going to do it. I don't know. All right, let's talk about the San Francisco 49ers right now. I mean, I assume you're going to say the same thing about the uh, them as you are about the uh, about the Seahawks. The high end for them is probably a Super Bowl victory, eh? I think the high end for the 49ers is 12 wins. I don't I don't see them getting higher than that. I think Seattle's ceiling is higher. Uh, San Francisco, yes, the high end would be winning the Super Bowl because I think once they're in the tournament, the way they play is conducive to winning. Uh, but I don't see them being a better team than Seahawks because of the defensive. I mean, the, their secondary still has some holes. I completely agree with that. Although they do have now the set, the, the, they're looking at the safety spot there, but now the corners are still question marks. Yep. I've said this a million times, but Justin Smith, he's old. Yep, he's Alden 55. Smith, we don't know what the story is with that exactly. Navarro Bowman, maybe midseason. Yep. I mean, yeah, there are a lot of questions. But 
the counter to that is, to me, in a league where all anybody talks about anymore is offense and quarterback and all that sort of thing, keep in mind, Colin Kaepernick has played for a year and a half. That's all, that's all he's been there. He's such, he's such a massive star that we sort of, well, when did he get? No, no, he's only been the starter for a season and a half mm-hmm. now. And look at the receivers they have and the running backs they have. And they still have that great offensive line. And they still have Vernon Davis. I'll tell you, man, that offense could be, you know, 38 points a game kind of offense. That, what, Do you really think Colin Kaepernick has that in him? Absolutely. With the running and that – I mean, listen, he doesn't – he's not required to be – to carry them. You know, he's got those receivers. You can get by – not to say he's a marginal – to say he's a mediocre talent. Obviously, he's got among the best arms in the game. He's got those legs and everything else. But it's not as though he needs to feel compelled to – to you know, do you know the so-called uh, you know do more than he's capable of doing with those with those weapons around him and that offensive line. I mean, what, they should be uh, a, a just about unstoppable offense. The only problem I have with that is that also could be said about teams like the Detroit Lions and the Packers and the Bears. And you know, I mean, there there's some potentially humongous offensive uh, units that we're going to see this year. If I recall, Alex Smith was hurt in Week Ten. 2012, which would give Kaepernick 22 regular season starts. That's not much of a catalog. Uh, the things that concern me are the windup. You know, he has been helped. You have to admit, their commitment to the run has helped him tremendously because they will just rotate their backs in. They'll bring in an H back like Bruce Miller. Remember when they had Delaney Walker? They'll play two tights, and that's given your quarterback a lot of help. So I, his windup, I, I just don't know if that's conducive to 38 points per game, as you're saying, because when you run the ball uh, and, and play that kind of offense, you're not going to have the time to score that many points. I, I agree with you about that, except that's their offensive philosophy. If they have to adjust it, though, because the defense isn't shut down or relatively uh, you know, keeping the opponent to 17 a game as they yeah. have the last three years, then they're going to have to score the, Yeah, I, I got you. Necessity breeds uh, ingenuity, but, but at the same time um, – just two yahoos sitting here on a podcast. It's hard to determine this, but if you, if I had to give you to read the tea leaves here for a second, do you really feel like Kaepernick's focus is where Russell Wilson's has been? Just just your feel as a fan. I don't. I don't. I don't see that. Now maybe hmm. it's his happy-go-lucky demeanor after a run or an errant throw. You know, nothing wrong with having fun. But I, I just feel like Russell Wilson has a little bit more of that Tom Brady, we're going to lose over my dead body. I hear you about Russell Wilson, but then again, I go the other way on that same Seahawks team to get the answer, which is I feel like it's what we talked about with Michael Robinson last week. I think the paradigm has shifted now in the 21st century, and it is there's now room to have fun. Maybe not the specifically with your quarterback. You want him to be serious-minded, studying film, you know, morning, noon, and night, and all that. But I do think that there's there's a different level now of that you're allowed to show that you're fun and have a personality. And it agree. doesn't have to be a detriment. I, I don't want it to be a stick in the mud. No, know, I, know, I, I hear what you. I, I, I get what you're saying. Peyton Manning and Aaron Rodgers are two fun guys. You know, they have good sense of humor, but they're still, I mean, locked in on their jobs. They're I'll give you one do- out of two there. 
Who's who's not the fun I'll guy? I'll let you there. determine the one that's not. You think Peyton Manning's not a fun guy? Hey, hey you're usually giving the uh, move on. Are no, we I always am, supposed to go to the 49ers' I'm, I'm just, uh, worst case saying, scenario? Give I've the worst been, case in the Niners. Real quick, I've been in the same room, not to name drop, with Peyton Manning and a bunch of NFL Pro Bowlers and have this guy command the room with nothing but jokes for about 15, 20 minutes. We actually put it up on the site mm-hmm. a couple of years ago when it happened. Peyton Manning is a funny guy. Like, mm-hmm. no jokes aside, he's a, well, that's weird. He's a really funny guy. Just saying. I, well, listen. Like, I, probably I, funnier than A-Rod. I don't like it's uh, What it's about is, yeah, you know, so all right, so let's move on. I, w- I was about to go Nine into wins. that, but I do want to go. Nine wins. I agree with that, and, and, and let me just say, here's, here's a potential pitfall. Yeah, it's all water under the bridge at this point. It seems a long time ago in the regular season when Jim Harbaugh apparently flirted with the idea going to the Cleveland Browns and taking that over. But, you know. Let's see what happens now. You know, it's not like that's all forgotten. It's a, you know, for us maybe we have 31 other teams in full lives that we're worried about, but if your job is uh, you know, an executive with the 49ers or a position coach or the GM, aren't you kind of worried about if things go wrong early on, things may be falling apart mm-hmm. there and if players start to question Jim Harbaugh's commitment, which is you know, I, I can't see it as we sit here today, but, you know, if things start to go wrong, like, well, you're the one who thought about leaving Coach Harbaugh, I could see it falling apart a little bit. I, But, I, I mean, the low end is still not a six-win season. I, I, I'm with you. Maybe nine wins. What, I, what I'm afraid of is not really Harbaugh. It's that this idea that you can bring in a Lattimore or, or whoever else. It doesn't matter. I mean, they have a whole stable of young backs. And just expect them to be Frank Gore. You know, if Frank Gore hits the wall this year – how do you know those young backs? I mean, I, I've never believed in that. You know, if a guy has put up multiple 12 and 1300 yard seasons, there's something pretty special. I about agree it. that you he's know? underrated. Yeah. You know, uh, Fred Taylor was the same way. There was something pretty special about that guy. You don't just replace those kind of guys. I and watch, I watch a fair amount of uh, big 10 football though. And Carlos Hyde ain't jive. I, I he's got, good. I he, got I, you. I, I mean, you know Marcus Lattimore yeah. two years ago, yep. I sang songs about, sure. I think he's going to be good, but now I feel bad for him. I don't know what's going to be, but I do believe Carlos yeah, Hyde's ready Nick to Yeah, and Nick Bell roll. played in the Big Ten, and he was supposed to be a 1,500-yard back, and we saw what happened to him. You know, I mean, it, it happens. You know, some guys don't translate. I'm not trying to poo-poo your point. I'm just saying that Frank Gore, it's, it's, it's year 10 for him now, and they rely so much on the run game. And Anquan Bolden. It's year 12 for him now. And Vernon Davis isn't that young either. I believe it's year nine, it's, which is hard to believe for, for Vernon Davis. So I worry about age all over that depth chart. Yeah, interesting point. Okay, so now let's move on to Antonio Cromartie's new team, the Arizona Cardinals. How say you? Bruce Arians, quietly, you just had your coaches, your best coaches list, as a matter of fact, about what was that on NFL.com. You can still track it down. I think it was NFL.org. <laughs> I, I think no. I think it was. I think it was dot com. Yeah, I think it was okay. NFL dot com. Um, you put out your rankings one through thirty two of the NFL coaches as you see it, and I felt the most egregious one of all was Bruce Arians because I know. Listen, he doesn't have the tenure of these other guys, but if you look at what he did as an offensive coordinator, how the Steelers offense, well, I guess it's been, it's it's now rounding back into shape, but it sort of cratered a little bit after that. And what he did with Ben Roethlisberger, the raw product and turning him into the QB, he has been, I know they've gone eight and eight, two straight years, but nonetheless, Ben Roethlisberger is, uh, is a different quarterback than he was a few years ago. Then he goes and, you know, Chuck Pagano, 
gets sick and takes off a fair amount of that season. They get to the playoffs under Arians. Mm -hmm. Arians then goes down to Arizona, and they barely miss the playoffs again. Maybe he's the you know one of the three or four best coaches in the NFL. Yeah, and maybe maybe Chuck Pagano set things up pretty good with that organization in 2012, better than we thought. I mean, I it, that's I, I hate to say this, but as Pagano kind of proved himself last year, it made me think more about the program he set in place. So I really based Arians more on what he did with the Cardinals. Now you mentioned his work with the Steelers. I hate to quote Cinderella here, but you don't know what you got until it's gone. Because I don't remember a lot of Steelers fans crying foul when Arians left Pittsburgh. Uh, now we look back and we say, hey, you know what? He did a pretty nice job, but it wasn't quite perceived no, that indeed. way. No, indeed. No, indeed. It was at, at that it, time. He definitely uh, was a lightning rod. There were definitely yeah, people. Who I thought stuck he did a good job. It, but yeah, I thought he did a good job. I thought he used Heath Miller well. That's a whole other conversation. Uh, everything goes right for the Cardinals. I see eleven and five. They're in the playoffs. Uh, Carson Palmer throws 30 touchdowns, 17 interceptions, uh, has a really nice season. Andre Ellington runs for 1250, an average five yards a carry. And maybe most importantly, Michael Floyd develops yes. into a real, maybe not a big-time player, but how does 70 catches, 1,050 yards, and 10 touchdowns sound? How about this? You know? I think he should be, certainly his pedigree suggests he should be. How I, Maybe it's asking a lot of him in year two, but to me, I'd rather have Michael Floyd than Golden Tate. And if you're talking about having on the other side, you know, premier wide receiver yep. in Larry Fitzgerald, I would take Floyd. I think, I mean, and, and by the way, look at what he did in the second half last year. He started to turn it on. He, you know, he wasn't, he is not a lost cause there. You know, he started to come on, start to make some big plays there. Um, hey, Roy Green, JT Smith, and Pat Tilly ain't walking through those doors. No, indeed. Uh, see, now Black Tie doesn't know any of those names, but they were former St. Louis Cardinals. Roy Green, the last guy to play both sides of the ball yep. consistently. What a great player. History has forgotten him. He, Neil Lomax. No kidding. That NFC East was just too good, and they couldn't break through past the, the Cowboys and Redskins back in the early 80s. But, but that Cardinals team had some players. Lomax could sling it, and Roy Green would catch it. And he could play corner. He could cover himself. That's right. If you're if you're a total football nerd listening to this podcast, look up the '84 Cardinals. Just look them up. That Wikipedia, a- NFL.com, Pro Football Reference, whatever. Look them up. You'd be shocked. I don't think the Cardinals' downside, their uh, low end, is all that low. Again, it's really hard to circle teams. And this is how we got into the America's Team conversation a week ago. Was Go right now and, and circle teams that you say definitely are not going to the playoffs. It's very hard to suss it's, out who those teams are. It's tough. The Cowboys are one of them in my book. I yeah. really think that team is. I think that team is going to be an all-time apocalyptically atrocious defense. And so, I mean, I, again, I think they're going to be worse defensively than they were a year ago, which is saying something. So I don't know what they can do in what should be, like you say, an improved Redskins team plus the Eagles. I would expect to get a little bit better than they were last year. They're going to get beaten down this year. But outside of that, I mean, I don't know who you circle in the NFC and say, oh, yeah, that team ain't going anywhere. I understand. Well, because of that competition, I'm going to circle back to what we're talking about. The Cardinals, what's the worst-case scenario? To me, the Cardinals slip back to 7-9. and nine. Mm-hmm. I think their depth chart is too good to go less than 7-9. and nine, But guys They don't like have Daryl Washington as a, Carlos as a Dansby, loss already. Guys, you know, when you, when you have a defense that's predicated on your linebackers making a lot of plays, and then you don't have those linebackers there anymore, that's a problem. And John Abraham gave this team a huge boost last year. Talk about under-the-radar player. That's right, yeah, it is There's amazing. an all-time underrated guy right there. John Abraham should have had 11 sacks in Atlanta. Instead, he was doing it in Arizona. 
Well, at least the Falcons didn't miss him, right? Hmm. Uh, but I, I tell you, it, those uh, – I hate to say defections, whatever you want to call them, absences. And if, if Abraham's production isn't there, this team might have trouble. And then you throw in the Carson Palmer factor. Uh, not getting hurt, as you stipulated. Let's not talk about injuries. But what if Carson Palmer goes 18 and 20, TDIT? That's, that's the question mark for me. Carson Palmer is – I don't uh, – if you can just maintain – I do think the offensive line, he's one of those guys that needs protection. It is not – it's not a luxury. It's a requirement mm-hmm. if your team wants to be good. If you have Carson Palmer, that you keep him clean. But he still turns the ball over too much for it's me. It's all between the ears with him. I've always felt like it's discernment with him. That's I it. agree, though. Seven and nine is uh, probably their low end. They are talented, and that defense is too good. And they, you know, I know they can be a bad offense, even with future Hall of Famer Larry Fitzgerald. But I think they've given them enough pieces. And like I say, they've built up that offensive line over the last couple of years, so it's better. Um, lastly, St. Louis Rams. And this is a fascinating one because I think that defense, you could say this about all three. Well, you can't say it about the Niners anymore, ironically, but I think the other three defenses have a chance to be dominant. I think the Rams have a shot at being the best defense in that division. You know, I mean, that that front four, that front seven is, you know, they, they, they are sort of similar to the Seahawks two years ago. They should dominate defensively, and they have some of the elements that made the Seahawks good. Yeah, well, if you we're talking best case scenario here, I say ten and six for the Rams, and they get that sixth wild card spot because I think it's the, I think the competition. You're not going to see an eight and eight team getting the six hole in the NFC. No chance. Uh, they need Sam Bradford obviously to play better, but you know that already. So let's move that aside. I'm going to say something that's probably not real popular with some listeners, but it, if you're going to be an analyst, you have to say the truth, which is they need a better effort from their fans. I, I, I mean it. They need a better effort from their fans. Why can't that stadium be a loud, rousing house of pain? Why can't that stadium be the kingdom like it was for Seattle in the 80s? I'm serious. When you have a defense. It's a baseball a, town. And, yeah, and a pass rush like that, your crowd should be the biggest thing you have in your hip pocket, right? Because you make the offense not hear what they're doing, which just helps. The, what is the, uh, can we agree that the strength of the Rams is defensive line? Like there is no other part of their team that I've matches re- I've up? Re- I've anointed them the first-round okay. foursome. Right. What helps the defensive line more than anything other than secondary, good secondary play? The crowd noise, right? Make it hard on the opposing team. I, do you ever watch a Rams game and feel like, oh, man, this is a hard place to play? It, it's, it's a de- decently hard place to play, but it could be. Literally, one of the, the, the cities you circle on the map and say, we don't want to have to go to St. Louis I, and It play. should be a loud joint that gives a big home field advantage. However, I would rather them rip the dome off that thing. Well, the, sure, I get St. it. In St. Louis, what do you need a dome for? I, How soft can you be that I you need it. a dome? I get it. I'm just saying I that hear you. I, I, I lament that they're not able to capitalize on that. All right, they add Greg Robinson. Mm-hmm. That will protect Sam Bradford that much more. Tavon Austin. Uh, delivers on the very – what was he, the fifth overall, eighth overall two years ago, two uh, drafts You're ago? You're tapping my memory. It wasn't fifth. It, no, it must have been – Tavon? Tavon yeah. was – no, he was nine. lower. He was lower. I, I think it was, say he was 11th. No, no, no. He was, he was a top 10 pick. Remember how he, he – He was a bit – he was nine or eight. He jumped way up. I mean, he, he, he and Ziggy Ansa. No, no, no. You'll wait and see. You'll see. It's a single going 11. All right, let's see it. Let's find out. I'm excited. Was, I'm going to wait. I had nine. I was closest. Eight. Eight. What do you mean you oh, were the – Oh, you c- had eight? Cookies. Young Kobe. <laughs> Young Kobe. Was, that was your original number. Young Kobe wore the number eight. 
And you don't hear me say? Now, let me ask you more Young trivia. Kobe. I don't more know trivia for both of you guys from that same draft. What wide receiver did they get in the third round that really needs to step up for them? The other kid from West the, Virginia. Yeah, yeah. What's his name? Um... I'm old, and, and my Stedman short-term Bailey. memory is Bailey. worse there than my go. long-term there memory. There we go. Yeah. I, can, I, I can easily cite for you the starting lineups of the 1980 World Series between the Phillies and Royals, but I can't summon names of guys I watched last week. Is that week. the one where Willie Wilson struck out 11 times or yes. 12 times? Yeah, they, you yeah. had Willie Wilson in center for the Kansas yeah. City uh, He hit 21 Royals. triples one year. That's insane. This is an no, awesome he did. Yes, he did. podcast. Willie Wilson did not. I will challenge you on oh, that. Oh, 1985. <laughs> Will you look that up? Willie Wilson hit 21 triples. I don't think that's possible. So that way we could be one to one on the trivia here. Twenty one? I'm almost positive. I don't I'll, think I'll so because I feel but... I feel like the most triples in a season was Rod Carew with twenty. So I don't th- or nineteen even. I'm not sure, but I All right, so black ties looking look that up, up MLB most triples in a season. Okay. And I'm pretty sure Rod Carew still holds the record. All right, worst case scenario for the Rams. We How talk- did Ricky Henderson not break that record? We talked anyway. about the Cardinals uh, being seven and nine. I think the Rams could be lower than seven nine in a worst case scenario. I mean, if you if it, go ahead. Well, I the, it, what's interesting. The thing I want to point out is, of course, Sam Bradford may or may not deliver. This is the year he must. Of course, he's got a ton of pressure on him, which maybe gets in his head. You know, and that's <laughs> you know, it's it's not praising him. Obviously, it's it it is taking a shot at him. I don't know what he is, but you do see human beings react differently to pressure. Um, and, you know, Mark Sanchez, as a, for instance, didn't react well. The, remember when the Jets brought in Tim, Tim Tebow? The premise wasn't Tim Tebow might take over for him. It's like, this is to push Mark a little bit. You know, we want, we want him to feel some competition in camp because he's never had that before, and we think that'll make him better. That didn't work out. He imploded. He didn't react well to that. It didn't push him. Joe Montana and Steve Young got better because of each other. Mm-hmm. Mark Sanchez, I don't know if Sam Bradford's going to react well to, like, and same thing with Andy Dalton. Like, hey, this is it, man. You you got to do it this year, or yeah. else we got to kind of move on from you. I don't know what he's going to do. Yes, Black Day. Willie Wilson, 1985, 21 triples. Whoa, EH, muzzle tub to you. Yeah. You're back. What was Rod <laughs> Carew's total? 23? Oh, now you have to look that up. He had 23. That's so what it going is. back to the Rams, maybe one thing that's worth mentioning here, Dave, if we're talking uh, being negative Nancys, is schedule. I mean, they're playing the AFC West. You know Denver's going to be good. You know Kansas City's going to be good. And I think San Diego's an excellent I think San team. Diego might win yeah. that division. They could. Who gives the Broncos more trouble mm-hmm. than San Diego? Well, I guess you could say Seattle. But. Yes, Black Tie. Rod Carew only had 16. That's triples. his, that's his yes. career high. That's career high. All right. Yes. I tip my hat to you. We EH. also have Antonio Cromartie calling in. All right. Let me just say one more thing. The question mark, and he is one of the more, you know, he's 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 has – as much experience as a head coach as just about anybody in the NFL, maybe even maybe the most besides Bill Belichick yep. or maybe Andy Reid is Jeff Fisher. But, you know, I've talked to a lot of knowledgeable football guys who because I say, like, well, Jeff Fisher should turn that team around, right? Mm-hmm. Some people say, go ahead and look up what Jeff Fisher's done with the talent that he's had over the course of his career. He may not be the greatest coach in the world. People sort of whisper that, and it seems like, well, Jeff Fisher, that can't be. But there are a lot of people who will maybe not pointedly say, I don't think he's a good coach, but they'll say, he's not – Maybe he's a little overrated in terms of what he does with mediocrity, you know. And there is – you know, it does kind of bear out if you look at what he's done. Um, But, I, you know, I'll say – you know, ten. I, I'm with you. Ten and six. I don't. You know, if that defense dominates, so they, maybe they get to eleven wins. You know, and if the 49ers regress, mm-hmm. and you know the Seahawks regress a little bit, if they mm-hmm. if they fall back, then maybe that's because the Rams beat them once or twice. Um, 
and Carson Palmer ain't right, whatever. They get pressure on him. Maybe they sweep that. Uh, th- those two. They games. need to go they six and go two maybe or seven and one at home. That's that's the deal. Six and two or seven and one at home. You know, because if you go seven and one at home and you go three and five on the road, guess what? You're at ten wins. Boom, mm. done. Let's get Antonio Cromartie on the line as we do that. Eh. Thanks for uh, joining us once again. We'll make it a regular thing, especially as the uh, season gets closer and closer here. Want to get your thoughts. Maybe we should just make him a consistent for the high-low game, Black Tie. What do you think of that? Uh, not if he keeps asking me to look up baseball stats. Can I be America's from, analyst? Uh, from the Young 80s. Kobe. <laughs> Is that circling back? No? Um, all right, yes. And, uh, and uh, yeah, maybe if we have him on the show more regularly, maybe I'll get invited to his 41st birthday oh party. Oh, my gosh. Thanks for having right. me on. All right, let's get to Antonio Cromartie. Dave. Dave. All right, this is good because I enjoyed watching this guy when he was in Culver City just a few weeks back, talking on Total Access, talking, of course, about cornerbacks who he thought is uh, who he thinks is the best in the game right now. He's now in Arizona, paired up with uh, Patrick Peterson. I say. It's now the best duo of corners in all the NFL. Let's say hello to him now. You can follow him at Crow, C-R-O-31. It's Antonio Cromartie. What's the poop, fella? Hi, what's going on? Oh, nothing. Oh, nothing. You all set? You excited to get going for training camp? Or is it? are you at that stage in your career now where you're sort of like, man, this is the worst part about being a pro football player. I got to go do this for a month. You know what? No, honestly, I'm not. Really, you don't fear it, huh? I, especially in that heat, too. Is it is it is it worse? Do you think to be up in you know New York State somewhere, or what's it going to be like now that you're down south for this? Is that going to make it even worse? No, no. Honestly, I've been I've been I've been okay with it. Um, it's it's the same thing for me. You know, it's just trying to me being from Florida. It's mm-hmm. always hot, so. Um, the biggest thing for me is always just to make sure that I just go in and do what I'm supposed to do and uh, try to get better every single day while I'm in camp. Well, we talk about your move uh, from New York down to Arizona. Have you gotten any sense of the buzz? Of course, the season ends with uh, a Super Bowl being played there just outside of Phoenix in uh, in Glendale. Is there a buzz there? Does that mean anything to Bruce Arians on down? Are you guys saying, what a great thing this would be if we could get to a Super Bowl that's played on our home field? I mean, that would be a great accomplishment because, uh, you know, we, we will be one of the first teams. We, we will be the first team to play uh, in the Super Bowl in our, in our home, on the home field, you know, and that's something that you look at and that's what you want to strive for. But uh, it's only a uh, one-day process every single day until the Super Bowl. You know, I mean, it's just you look at it and you just try to go from there and, and you try to get to that, uh, get to that goal. So, all right, I like I see already he's saying I we will be the first team to do this. I like the confidence there, and it starts, I suppose, with that uh, tremendous defense and specifically the secondary that I mentioned. You now have Patrick Peterson. I, I, I feel like I don't even want to waste time, but this is the best uh, secondary or at least the best corners, especially when you throw in the Honey Badger there, too, to the mix. This is the best group of uh, of cover corners that there is in football, Yes. Uh, we feel that way. I mean, that's how we feel, and that's that's the way we want to approach the game. Uh, I think the big thing for us, I mean, is just going out and doing it on a on an every week basis. Uh, that's even in practice, you know, making sure that we're doing all the right things that we're supposed to do, and just go play football from there. You know, overall, the most talented. Yes, I feel like 
we're right there with the most talented group with, you know, having time, Matthew, myself, uh, Patrick Peterson, uh, younger guys, it's Tony Jefferson, you know, uh, Justin Bethel, uh, Gerard Powers and those guys. You know, you, you add guys on like that mm-hmm. that put in the body of work and everything else. You know, you look at it and you be like, wow, you know, we got a great group of guys that can – put things together and go out and go play football at a high level. Well, you get a good uh, – obviously, it's one thing to look at them on film or from the sideline when another defensive unit's on the field. You've gotten an up-close and personal look at Darrell Revis, of course, and now you get to see Patrick Peterson, at least in practice. What stands out to you about Peterson? How does he compare? Is he, if you can at all gauge that, is Patrick Peterson as good as Darrell Revis? Is he potentially better? Or is Richard Sherman the gold standard? Where do you come down on all this? I mean, he has the potential to be uh, the best cornerback uh, in the NFL. You know, I, I, at the end of the day, you know, uh, it's up to him. You know, and what what he wants to bring to the table on an every week basis. You know, I think he's proven himself uh, throughout his, uh, his 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 short career so far that he can go out and cover the number one uh, receivers and go out and just play football the best way he knows how. You go from Rex Ryan, who seems positively delightful, at least uh, it would uh, from the outside looking in, watching him on hard knocks and you on hard knocks and everything. It just seems like a good. it was a good time up there. Now, though, you go to Arizona, and Bruce Arians also seems delightful. How do they compare as uh, as guys, Arians and uh, Rex Ryan? Uh, I mean, they're that much alike, to be honest with you. Uh, they, you know, they're very similar uh, coaches, uh Guys, coaches that can go to bat for their players, hmm. they understand the system, their system very well, and they don't let their guys be their guys and go out and do what they're supposed to do. All right, here's something I want to do here. I, I like the confidence that you uh, you started out with that we will be the first team to play in the Super Bowl. I don't mind telling you, I'm cynical. My glass is often half empty, not just with the Arizona Cardinals. In fact, I predicted at the end of last season that the Cardinals would beat the Seattle Seahawks up there in the link, and I was proven correct on that one. So it's not like I'm saying that you guys don't have a chance. But let's play a little game called Devil's Damashek. I'm going to make a statement. You refute it. You tell me why I'm wrong, and we'll start out with this one. The Seattle Seahawks defense is still the best in the NFC West. Uh, well, you say why they're still the best? Yeah, well, uh, no, you tell me why I'm wrong. Talk me <laughs> out of that think, opinion. Because I think the talented group that we have over there, uh, that we have, the front seven that we have, I mean, they lost a lot of core guys. And we, you know, we lost, uh, you know, Carlos Dansby. But I think at the end of the day, uh, you know, the group that we have as a collective group, uh, that we can go out there and make the plays that we need to make and do the things that we need to do. All right, okay. Now let's go to this one. Carson Palmer does not have enough left to get you guys to the Super Bowl. Refute that one. I think there's more than enough left, believe me. Uh, just in, just sitting in practice, seeing the things that he does, you know, the decisions that he's making passing the ball, you know, it makes things uh, a lot easier. You know, and, uh, you know, for me, just coming from an offense or a team that uh, offense wasn't as productive and seeing where this offense can be productive, it makes things a lot easier when you have a, a veteran quarterback in Carson Palmer. And uh, lastly, the San Francisco 49ers have the best uniforms in the NFC West. <laughs> I thought that we may have the, black, the best. You know, I definitely like the all-black uniforms uh, <laughs> when we put those on. So, I mean, uh, you know, you dress up the black unions or you throw on the all-red uniforms. I think uh, 
So hands down, we may have the best uniforms. All right. I mean, yeah, I, I like your answers to the first two better because the 49ers, to me, remain the, the, remain the gold standard over there in the NFC. Real quick, Antonio, um, because you came down from New York, there's new buzz now. Tim Tebow is trying to make a comeback. In your opinion, who has a better shot of starting an NFL football game, Mark Sanchez or Tim Tebow going forward? I would say Mark Sanchez. Is that right? Do you think he will get a shot to uh, to another crack at being an NFL starter? I think he will. I mean, I think, you know, uh, he has the ability to be a quarterback in the NFL. Uh, just from what I've seen over the four years I was there uh, with him. You know, I just think uh, with him, you know, the, the talent that was brought in around him wasn't uh, something that was going to help him in the long run. A lot of injuries was coming along with the receivers that was there. So there was a lot of inconsistency with uh, with him with the timing and everything else. And he didn't really see a lot of uh, growth anymore. I think, uh, you know, his first two years, you, you see where he went to the AFC Championship game. He had veteran-type receivers and Braylon Edwards and uh, Jericho Carter and those guys. And then you added Antonio Holmes one year. Also, it just shows that when he has weapons, he can spread the ball around and just uh, he's, he feels comfortable. You know, he, he has to trust in those guys to go out and make the plays that he that he know they can make and he can make the throws that he can make. Uh, you know, I just think, uh, you know, after that, you know, after that LC run, we end up uh, losing some of the core guys that he was used to having. And uh, a lot of injuries started coming about with the receiving core, so there wasn't any time. And so you just basically – uh, just throwing to guys that, you know, we ended up picking up through free agency during the season and things like that. So he wasn't comfortable uh, with those guys either. I, You know, it's funny. I always say the Super Bowl, actually, that the Pittsburgh Steelers played against the Arizona Cardinals, I always felt that AFC title game was one that uh, slipped away from you guys. In the second half, you had all the momentum, and uh, that fourth and goal from the inch line, giving the ball to LT there, if you bang that one in there, I feel like you guys steal that game and go to a Super Bowl there. But that's in the rear view mirror. Last one for you. I forgot to ask this to you when we were doing Devil's Damashek. I'm going to make a statement. Now you have to refute it. <laughs> the Florida State Seminoles can't repeat. <laughs> Why well, we can't? Oh, man, we got we got the best quarterback in, in college football right now. I agree. <laughs> Wouldn't you rather have him than any of the guys who have gotten drafted? That all the noise about Johnny Football and Blake Bortles, and it's not to diminish any of those guys, but but I, I feel like if I could have any guy out there right now, it's Jameis Winston. Yes. Do you think he's destined for stardom? I think he is. That is just the point. The poise that he shows. Uh, as a first-year starter, never never got a rattle, never, uh, you know, just standing in the pocket to take the hits. You know, I think he's just – and the, the leadership roles that he brings to uh, the Seminoles, something that uh, I feel uh, in the past couple of years you really, didn't, you, you really didn't have for a guy that take holes of the offense the way he does and the guys try to make sure that they do their best for him because uh, if he's out there doing his best, it, it, he's going to bring out the best in everyone else. Yeah, you just hope that kid who uh, who was underneath them there on the depth chart who just moved over to Alabama doesn't step up, and uh, that would be a, that would be a shame if you guys met in the national championship and that kid was the difference. I don't want to put negative thoughts in your head, though, Antonio Cromartie. <laughs> you have brighter days ahead in the desert. Go have a good and healthy season. Enjoy training camp as much as possible. Best wishes to you and the Cardinals in 2014, and uh, in the meantime, go have a bleeping snack. Uh, thank you. God bless.
All right. Good stuff there from uh, Antonio Cromartie. Again, follow him at Crow31. Also follow our 40-year-old pal, Elliot Harrison, at NFL Harrison. I think he finally got rid of the underscore. Harrison NFL. Is that right? At Harrison NFL. Say at least he has enough self-confidence that he puts his name before the NFL. But he's not so confident that he feels he can make it without the NFL. Damashek just goes clean. Damashek, take it or leave it. You understand? That's how I roll. Look where it's gotten me. Come on, player. Didn't get, I'll tell you where it didn't get me. Invited to Elliot Harrison's birthday party. And you know what? I don't want to get down, and I'm and don't try and torment me, young Kobe, with drops about me saying, come on, player. Come on, player. What's that? What's up with that? <laughs> well, that was a shame. That happened, and I own it, and Deion Sanders gave me the stink eye when I ruined his segment. What's it supposed to be again? Roll on, player? What is it? Hold on, player. Hold on, player. H-O-P. I will tell you this, though. It's a fan favorite. All right, fine. And people love it. And it might be a ringtone on many See, listeners' phones. See, you know what it is? I, I, I appreciate the Czech Republic reacting the way they have to this. To You know, a lot of people, it's like. They made it, it a positive. On one hand, yes, I do see, I do cut the figure of a superhuman. You know, I, I, I'm rarely wrong, if ever. And this sort of grounds me and this brings me back. And they're not angry. They don't want to take shots at me and ha-ha. Instead, they embrace me. They say, you know what, Dave, you're one of us. You're a person. And I appreciate that, Czech Republic. Come All right. player. <laughs> All right. Again, thanks to Cromartie and Harrison. We'll kibitz with, uh, with at least Harrison in the future. We'll see about uh, Cromartie again. Um, good stuff from both those guys. And we'll be back with another podcast later in the week. We're trying to track down our pal A.J. Hawk. Of course, he's heading off to camp, though. So we'll see if we can get him on the line at some point to review his antics up there, tackling Michigan fans, this and that. And uh, uh, we'll look forward to doing that, hopefully, like I say, later in the week. But in the meantime, thanks so much, football fans. It's been a thin slice ahead. You go into your shower feeling tired, but as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you.